0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back. For those of you who don't know, my name is Amanda, and I'm doing a multiple part series um, about criminal justice reform and the criminal justice system in the United States. Um, Yeah, last week or last month, I took a break from it and did a discussion with my little brother, but now we are back on the criminal justice um, discussion. And this, so we're on part four. And so today we're going to be talking about what happens when you are released from prison and essentially all of the disparities and injustices that happen once you're technically, you know, you've done your debt to society or whatever. Okay, so to start off, I thought that I would tell kind of a side story. So I'm applying for college right now, and I recently filled out the FAFSA, which for those of you who don't know, it's basically like federal student aid, Uh, financial aid for college. Uh, College in the United States is so expensive and it definitely makes it inaccessible to a lot of people. I know at least for me the colleges that I'm looking at would not be possible without any sort of financial aid and I think it's that's really the situation for most people in the United States. But anyway so I was filling out the FAFSA and there's a question that said you know have you ever been convicted of a crime? And that kind of sparked my memory because I remember when I was a sophomore, uh, I listened to a kid give a speech about how if you're convicted of a crime, you're not eligible for federal student aid, a.k.a. like the FAFSA and getting money from that. And unfortunately, most formerly incarcerated people are not able to get any sort of financial aid for college and that's kind of where I wanted to start out this discussion because when we don't allow formerly incarcerated people to receive financial aid or, or any of these other things that I'm talking about these things that help you build a better life help you you know move on from from mistakes and you know bad choices or bad situations or whatever it may be like college when we deny that to people i mean all that's doing is like just further inhibiting the cycle of mass incarceration and and wealth disparities and all these things because you're not allowing people to get the education that they need and that they deserve. And I think that that's really, really wrong. And that's one of the big places where these disparities set in is they don't have equal access to things like financial aid for college. I think that that's really screwed up because as this kid that I listened to his speech what he said and, and this really like um really like hit me was he said you know most people in this room have you know like done some sort of illegal activity or, or an illegal substance but especially minorities or especially people in like lower income neighborhoods and things like that, especially those people, they're prosecuted and held this high standard, which is ridiculous. And, and we've talked about that in the previous episodes of the series. But, you know, when you first of all, when you criminalize certain kids, but not others, that creates an unjust society. But I'm not going to get into that again. But also when you don't allow people to grow from their mistakes and get Go to college and and grow and become the kind of person that they want to be. I think that's really detrimental, and that's why most people end back up incarcerated. And it's one of the grave failures on the United States government in terms of um, incarceration and and rehabilitation and what and um, oh, I forgot the word or reintegration. Sorry, I'm like listing all the like words for this, but like reintegration. And definitely, I think that that is a huge thing that we need to be talking more about. Every single person deserves access to financial aid for college. I think college should be free. At least there should be public free options for college, but don't even get me started on that. Federal aid should at least be accessible to all people, whether or not you've been convicted of a crime. Okay, the order that I'm talking about these things might be a little bit weird But this is just kind of how I've set it up in my head. So sorry if it feels like it's all over the place. But the next thing that I'm going to talk about or the next struggle that I'm going to be talking about is housing. Once you are let out of jail, let out of prison, you're basically left to fend for yourself and pay all of your bills that they stick you with. But a big, big issue becomes housing. So, according to the prison Policy Initiative, people who have been to prison just once experience homelessness at a rate nearly seven times higher than the general public but people have been people who have been incarcerated more than once have rates thirteen times higher than the general public basically, to sum that up when you're in when you're incarcerated for you know x amount of time it becomes really hard to come out and live in society. Um, I'm going to read a quote from the Prison Policy Initiative. I really like that website, and I, I like all of the things that they post. I think it's really informative, and I definitely recommend checking it out, but I'm just going to read this quote from them really quick. It says, When we restrict housing for formerly incarcerated people, they are way more likely to head back into prison. How can someone re when they are forced back out into the streets? I really like this quote because I totally agree. I think that when we restrict housing, we don't allow people kind of a safe place to land after being incarcerated. How are they going to succeed? How are they going to get, you know, a job and the things that they need? Like, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, But when we look at the housing situation and um, the lack of lack thereof, we can't just look at it from the perspective of being homeless or or not having a house we should also consider the vast amount of formerly incarcerated people who face housing insecurity and that's something that when reading and doing my research for this podcast I found um, and read a lot about and of course like I knew what housing insecurity was but I didn't know how prevalent it was especially in formerly incarcerated people and I think we really need to do a better job at providing, um, affordable housing for every single citizen. I think housing is one of the most important things that you can offer to people and by not having it, you're basically forcing them into, um, a life of poverty and a a life of crime. And I, I think that, yeah, that's to me, like that's as simple as it gets, um, So the Prison Policy Initiative also reports that many formerly incarcerated people struggle to find stable places to live. Uh, Discrimination by public housing is a huge thing, um, combined with the affordable housing shortages, um, which basically just drives that um, exclusion of formerly incarcerated people from housing. Um, The problem, like specifically to pinpoint the problem... um, it's definitely how people, um, specifically renters, can screen for people to get housing, and um, a lot of people discriminate based on prior convictions, um, so that means that affordable housing really isn't, um, isn't like, achievable, I mean, even if you can afford, like, decent housing, like, discrimination on ex-convicts is pretty big, um, and... I mean I've heard a lot of arguments of people saying like well don't you want to know who's going to move into your house when we talk about getting rid of those questions on, on job applications and housing applications yes but no because I still think that every single person deserves a second chance unless you are unless you sexually assault someone literally then forget you like I don't even care but for the vast majority of people in our criminal justice system, I would dare say like ninety nine percent of them or like ninety seven percent of them deserve a second chance and deserve to be you know taken seriously for um equitable housing. I think that's really important um another thing another problem that once you get out of um jail or, or prison, like you have this big gap in your working. So when people ask you like, "Well, what were you doing?" why is there, there a gap, you know, from 2008 to 2012 or whatever it whatever it is? That gets in the way of like getting loans and and all these other things. And it's like this ghost that you can never quite get rid of and it just continues to um affect the way that you're able to live. And so, no, I don't think that we should have such in-depth questions or I guess I should rephrase that. Like maybe we should have in-depth questions for people who are formerly incarcerated, if, cause I have no faith in in the United States being a progressive enough society. Even though I don't think it's that progressive, but whatever. Um, we'll get into that in the next episode. <laughs> like jumping the gun here, but I think the least thing, like the least that we can do, is offer like a place for them to explain like what their, their what their prior conviction is you know, what happened, like, give give detail and context, because, you know, you hear so many different times, like, especially, especially, I cannot say this stuff, especially, 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 with people of color, and minorities, and marginalized, um, populations, I'm talking, like, um, about, like, the trans community, all these different people, like, they're so often criminalized in our criminal justice system, and, and look at how this follows them for the rest of their life. I mean, we don't have this conversation enough. I don't even think it came up in the presidential debates. And if it did, it like came up for like a little bit. It wasn't like a top thing. And it needs to be. Because we need serious reform. And it starts with how we treat people after they get out of prison. And providing them with stable housing and access to education and... Those, in my opinion, basic human rights. Okay, and last but obviously not least, I mean, this episode, you guys, could be 10 hours long <laughs> with, you know, the mental trauma that um, ex-convicts face and, and all these other things. But I just kind of split it up into three broad topics that I thought were the most important because um, I don't want to spend... Like, I don't want to have like 45 minute long episodes just of like a lecture of me being like, these are the specific problems. Like, I just want to like start a conversation and bring awareness to these while well, not like trying to talk too much. I'm talking too much right now, but that's why like it's, I'm talking in very broad terms. But the next and last thing that I wanted to talk about is jobs. Obviously, without secure and accessible housing, getting a job becomes significantly harder. And several studies have shown that when companies receive two job applications that are identical, except one candidate has been in prison and the other one hasn't, um, the formerly incarcerated candidate is less likely to get the job interview. In some states, those who are previously incarcerated are even legally barred from a number of jobs. Um, Yeah, basically... When you get out of jail, it's really hard to get another job because of the discrimination that you face. And it's because of the stigma that we have with, um, it's, it's because our prison systems are, are ran so poorly that when people come out of it, you're afraid to hire them. think, Because the boss who is looking over your applications, you know, he has no idea, you know, what Chad or you know Nicole or like any of these people like the manager has no idea what they did in their high school careers but because it's on record for someone else it hurts them and I think that that's really screwed up and that's why we need to stop asking questions like that. Because it's really, really discriminatory. Because statistics show, and definitely check out my other episodes um, where I get more in depth in this. But statistics show that um, people of color are way more likely to be arrested for crimes. Especially, like, drug offenses. Um, And that's why, like, when people say, like, America's not systemically racist think the criminal justice system and the things that happen after you know you get out of the criminal justice system to me is enough evidence of systemic like deep deep discrimination and problems and I think it's going to take a lot of work to fix I don't even know if it can be fixed I'm hopeful you know and and I think by listening to podcasts like this, if you're listening to this, thank you, and educating yourself, and and continuing to choose to engage in these conversations, I think we'll get closer, Um, but who knows, you know, because I, I know I hammer my family about criminal justice reform all the time, and I'm sure they're annoyed, but they're also all more educated on it, and they're more compassionate on it, but yeah, in short, basically, it's really difficult for formerly incarcerated people to get jobs and without getting jobs, without secure housing, without access to education, what are you supposed to do? You know, how are you supposed to be expected to reintegrate back in society and thrive? I don't know. And so I think we need way more reintegration programs in our prisons no doubt about that, but yeah, all of these things combined make life after prison near impossible, which is why we need some serious changes to our system, so that formerly incarcerated people are able to get access to the things they need, and frankly deserve, people, every single person deserves housing, every single person deserves education, every single person deserves access to you know financial means of survival a job basically um when you have states that legally bar you from having certain jobs because you went to jail again systemic problem but yeah and one thing that I, I want to say to like wrap it up is so, some like things that I guess you could do to help because I know that these get pretty dark and, and ranty and, you know, oh, I hate, you know, the criminal justice system in America and all these things. But I think what's important to remember is that, like, change can happen. And we have to, we can't just give up. We have to continue to advocate for the people who are literally not even allowed to vote in most states. Um And one of the most important things is supporting businesses that you know support um, people, um, ex convicts in like reintegration society. One big company is Dave's Bread. I love Dave's Bread, I think it is so good. It's really healthy for you. And the founder, I'm pretty sure, only hires ex-convicts like people out of prison could be mistaken but I'm 99% sure um if not everyone at works at his company most people and he gives them access to good jobs he pays them well all those things and it's an amazing company and companies like that as we continue to support them and stop supporting places that use prison labor our society is going to see a great difference, or at least the criminal justice system will. I believe. Of course, it's not all on individual responsibility. That's a tiny, you know, little drop in the in the bucket. Um, another thing that um, is definitely important too is is speak out to your legislatures and. You know and make sure that you're engaging in conversations and like reach out to your legislatures and legislators if you know there's going to be like a big criminal justice reform bill coming up and and say like hey please vote you know in support of this obviously do your research on the um, proposal and things because unfortunately most people don't have the best interest of prisoners so be careful what you support but it's important to you know reach out to your legislatures. reach out. To your family when you guys are talking and making jokes about, you know, prison or whatever. You know, just make sure that everyone around you is educated on these problems. And even though they're they're deep and they're dark, sometimes they have to happen. And it's really important that we help end this stigma. So that when people come out of jail, they're able to start getting jobs. And start getting affordable housing and, and everything like that. So that they can finally get back the life that they are trying to get back and I think that's really important that we support them in any way possible and yeah just ending the stigma is the number one most important thing however you feel comfortable doing that however you're able to do that I think it makes a big difference and thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening if you made it this far I'm shocked (laughs) but thank you for listening and I really do appreciate it and I hope you guys all have a wonderful day and continue to just be awesome all right thanks you guys have a wonderful day see you next month